glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. All right, 3 John, beginning verse 1. Stand with me if you would as we read the Word of God together. 3 John, verse 1. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles, we therefore ought to receive such, that we might be fellow helpers of the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Thank you. you may be seated. As we saw previously in Second John especially, that if we are going to love, we must have a clear discernment between good and evil. You see John in Third John really practicing what he has preached in Second John. Remember that love is to be without dissimulation. We're to abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. And we've been speaking much of this, but the love that is being preached by the world and has been is that what love does is it blurs the line and says there is no difference between good and evil. Uh, that love just says you accept anything and everything a person does and whatever they deem to be good for themselves, then you, you just accept that. Whereas God's definition of love says we must maintain a clear discernment between good and evil, take the side of good, oppose evil. And so what happens here is you, <laughs> the, the cynic might say, well, John is not following his own advice. Uh, Diotrephes is doing what John said. And second John, John had instructed the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the elect lady and her children that if any did not come with the right doctrine, you were supposed to not receive them in your house, not bid them Godspeed. Diotrephes might have said, I am just really being very finicky and meticulous about following John's instruction, the instruction of God. I don't let anybody come into this church that's going to, you know, in any way compromise anything. But that's not what he was doing. What he was doing was treating brethren like unbelievers. He was treating people who, had a, a, who were in the same family, who had the same faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and Diotrephes was rejecting them, not receiving them as brethren, and then if people in the church said, well, we'll, we're willing to receive them, he said, no, we're not going to do that. And if you receive these people who are visiting us, these brethren, into your home or into the church, we're going to kick you out of the church. That's in short what he's doing. We'll say more about it in a few minutes. But Diotrephes, <laughs> number one, there are true Diotrephes today, and many a church, as I studied this, names began to come in my mind of some other churches that I'm aware of and men who conduct themselves exactly this way, that if they cannot have the preeminence, if they cannot be the, the, the most influential person 
in the church, and if someone threatens that, then that person needs to go. They have got to remain the center of everything. They are exclusivists, if you would. Let me just warn you of this. Let me just kind of say this at the onset. Uh, when you find the Dotrys, if you study what this idea would be of, of loving to have the preeminence, it has the idea of ex- one separating themselves or making themselves exclusive so that they are unique from everybody else and therefore should uniquely have influence above and beyond anyone else. And it can be a member of the church, it can be a leader of the church, it can be a pastor of a church that can take on this, this diatrophies role. And so then we'll, we want to dive into studying. But I would say this, you ever hear somebody coming up with unique doctrines that, number one, if you read your Bible, you would never find on your own. You find people like this. Oh, I was studying my Bible, and I think I've just found some things that no one else has probably ever seen before. Bells and whistles and flags should be flying everywhere. Not that God cannot show you something that you've never seen before. But if you search every Christian you know, and everybody goes, Ah, what's wrong with that? I remember a man visiting here years ago, and he sent me some emails expressing some very unique views uh, concerning some people in the Bible. And uh, it doesn't matter what and who it was about. He had a couple of Old Testament characters. And he had some views on those people that you couldn't really say, that is blatantly false. But you couldn't find it by studying your Bible. I'll promise you that. If you studied probably any commentary you found, and not the commentaries are inspired, they're not, but there are men who you can find faithful men who believed and studied the Bible, written down what they have gathered from their studies. You wouldn't find it... And I, and I just simply did not agree immediately with his assessments and express that. He never came back. The moment there wasn't, thank you from the light from heaven that no one else but you could find, then there was no interest in being here. That man had a diatrophy spirit about him. I can say that. It was, I'm going to come in and present some exclusive things that are exclusive to me. John is really dealing with the same things he had to deal with in 1 John. People who believe they had unique light. I have unique light, and therefore I'm uniquely fitted to be the most influential person, the most important person in this church, because I am like no one else. There is no one among us like that except Jesus Christ. You and I are all made of the same clay. God gifts us differently. God gifts some to lead. God gifts some to to assist uh, uh, beside someone's side, some to give, some to show mercy. God gifts us differently, but we are all subject to the same temptations. We are all subject to the same problems. None of us is exclusively superior to the other in, in spiritual value. And so the body of Christ functions with different members, but the fact is there's only one head. And no human on earth is the head of the church. That's Jesus Christ. And so then uh, what happens is when someone begins to step into that role of, uh, and this is, by the way, this kind of truth is what determines where a church is governed. Uh, and so then if, 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 if all of a sudden you got somebody that singularly, singularly is saying, you know what, uh, I'm going to run people off and I'm going to do this, you think about, sadly, we've, we've, we've experienced church discipline. But you know what? It's a local church issue, something that has to be done as a church body. You know, there's a reason for that. Under the headship of Jesus Christ, we operate, and while God gives leadership and so forth, the fact of the matter is there's always going to be the temptation in the flesh to want to be the exclusive member, but the Spirit of God will hold that in check. You get somebody that is not under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, either because they're lost 
or because they're out of sorts with him. And it seems that Diotrephes was a lost man, crept in. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I would say this. He, John says, he that doeth evil is not of God. And so my point would be this. We see the characteristics here, and the value to us would be, number one, if we see any of those characteristics in our own life, we know that's not of God. That's John's point. That's not of God to behave as Diotrephes is behaving. And so we would see that in ourselves and say, no, that's not something we want to do. Number two, it does us well to recognize when there's a Diotrephes operating in the church. This man was doing this church harm. He was doing damage to God's flock, and so it is vital for us to be able to recognize the characteristics of someone who is operating against the will of God so that so that it can be properly dealt with and not allowed to continue in a local church. And so let's consider three things tonight about diatrophies that might help us to discern a diatrophies in our own midst and discern how the Lord dealt with him here. So number one, what John points out is, is his motivation. Uh, diatrophies had a way of conducting himself inside the church that Gaius was a part of and that John was addressing. He had a way of operating himself, but behind every method is a motive. Everything we do is motivated by something. As Christians, our motive is supposed to be love. It is supposed to be love for the Lord, love for one another. And what happens is, is if we either do not know the Lord or we're not obedient to the Lord, something else becomes our motive. John mentions his motive in verse 9. He says, I wrote unto the church. So John says, I, I wrote an epistle to the entire church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Can you imagine telling one of the apostles, you're not welcome in our church? Now, I think it happens today. There are certain churches where whole portions of the Bible are not allowed to be preached. You know why that is? Someone's a diatrophies. If we preach that portion of Scripture, if the apostle John were to show up, he might make the rest of us look bad. How many of us know what the Roman Catholic Church ultimately began to do with the writings of Scripture? Tell the common people, you're not allowed to read them. You know, what they, you know what they were doing? Receiving not the writers of Scripture, not receiving the Word of God. That's exactly what's going on here. Diotrephes knew that if John showed up, he's in trouble. So the best thing to do is exclude him, keep him on the outside. Don't let somebody that might come and have superior authority over you. An apostle would, by the way. The apostles, humanly speaking, have the most authority when it comes to church government. And so if the apostle shows up, Diotrephes might be teaching some things that would need to be corrected. He might be shown to not be the Christian he had everybody thinking he was. So the best thing is keep the light out of the building. We don't want John showing up. So John wrote a letter to the church. Somehow, Diotrephes had so much control that he wouldn't let the apostle John even speak to the church. That's problematic. And by the way, again, we've seen this carried out where you have uh, the Roman Catholic Church forbidding people to read the Scripture, removing Scriptures off of church building walls. You know what they're doing? When people began to read the Scripture, it began to expose the corruption of their teachers. And so the best answer was, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be your priest. No man on earth is your priest. Amen? Uh, only the Lord Jesus Christ. So Diotrephes already had the spirit that we see so manifest in Roman Catholicism. It is done in a much more clever way today. Their entire portions of Scripture discounted and dismissed through questions, through saying, well, this is maybe not supposed to be in your Bible. And so you need to listen to me. I'm the expert. 
I'm telling you, this is part of the problem with the new translations of the Bible. It opens a can of worms that God never intended to be open, and that is you cannot really understand your Bible because the originals are back there somewhere, and unless you can understand the originals, which don't exist, but they might even say unless you can understand the original languages, you're not really going to get the true meaning of the Word of God. The Word of God is back in the original tongues, and you can't really say you have it in English. And so all we're doing is making our best effort over through all these English translations to get you the Word of God. Hopefully you can know for sure what it is, but really you need someone who can speak the original tongue to tell you what God really said. It's the spirit of diatrophies, it really is. Because now that person has got to be looked at as exclusive. Someone who is, is, is far above everyone else. May I say this? I believe this. As a pastor, and I believe a pastor can, can easily fall into the wrong mentality uh, about himself among a church flock. But if a pastor's doing his job, he is not lording over God's heritage and saying, I'm way up here and you lowlies are down there. He's saying, I'm the ensample. We're doing this together and God's people should be coming up in spiritual level together. So that you're not some superior, you are someone given leadership for the benefit of God's people, whereas a diatrophy says, no, if it's not about me, it's not going on. <laughs> he is exalted here, and so his motivation is, is, is seen in his affection. What did he love? The Bible says, I wrote unto the church by diatrophies who loveth to have the preeminence. Turn with me, if you would, to Colossians 1.18. Meaning, Diotrephes made the church about who? Himself. It was about himself. It wasn't about obeying Jesus Christ. It wasn't about being strong in the Lord. It wasn't about overcoming the devil. It was about Diotrephes. He loved the preeminence. He loved it when the, when the, the conversation turned about him. Uh, you, you watch out, and by the way, they, there's many subtle ways to go about this, but you watch out for any ministry that becomes centered around a man. One of the things I have noticed in being a Christian and walking with the Lord and trying to serve the Lord and preaching and so forth is a lot of false doctrines. And you could talk to other pastors whose experience it is to deal with people, try to be discerning spiritually between a sheep and a wolf and a goat and all these things. So you're helping God's people. But I've noticed there are certain people that come in and they can say two or three words and I can say, I can tell them the man they're reading after. That's pearlism. You're a follower of Stephen Anderson, Hylesism, uh, Armenianism, Calvinism. You with me? Those are all doctrine. Not, some of them are. Some of those, uh, the the um, Armenianism and Calvinism are theological systems now, but they're named after men, man-centric. I'm not so sure those. Some of those men intended, especially. Uh, some of the men years ago intended it to become man-centric, but they did. And what happens here is you have diatrophies who loveth always to have the preeminence. It was about him. He was motivated by his longing and love for the preeminence. And so the Bible says in Colossians 1.18, uh, verse 17, He, speaking of Jesus Christ, is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body. The church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. If someone's Christianity is so unique that they are the only person that has such Christianity, 
something's wrong. Because each one of us is to be conforming to the same pattern, are we not? Now, that does not mean we're a bunch of um, robots. God didn't make us that way. We're all at different spiritual growth levels. God has gifted us differently. There's a tremendous amount of diversity in God's work. But the fact is, we are all supposed to be submitted to and conformed to the same person. So when someone develops a type of Christianity that keeps your focus and attention on them, something's wrong. Something's wrong. How many of you have seen ministries rise? And I want to be careful here. I don't want to be too broad in general. But the reason they rise is because of the uniqueness of the individual who is serving. I believe this. As guest preachers come in and out of this church, whether they're a visiting missionary or a, or a, or a proven preacher, another pastor, we shouldn't be hearing... You know, they shouldn't come in and you say, Oh, you know, our pastor's preaching is so unique that no one ever preaches like he does. We have a corner on a truth here that nobody else has. Well, if we all have the same 66 books of the Bible and we all have the Holy Spirit... We really ought to be agreeing on a lot of things. We have brethren in Nigeria and brethren in, other, in Liberia and brethren in China, and we believe the same things. You know why that is? We have the same Bible, not maybe not in the same language, same Holy Spirit of God, the same faith, and therefore they ought to have the same thing. But this man loved to have the preeminence, meaning it was about diatrophies. Everything that went on in the church, if it was going to cast diatrophies in a bad light, he can't be there. If it's going to be competition to diatrophies, that person's not welcome. This has got to be something that is centered around him. The word preeminence here means precedence, priority of place, superiority in rank or dignity, and it can be used. The word preeminence, of course, can be used positive or negative. It's used in relation to Christ. It can mean having a a preeminence in a certain field, and that would not be an evil use. But here, because diatrophies was desiring what belonged to Jesus Christ, the preeminence in the church... It became something evil. It has to do with superiority of power or influence. And so then uh, there, is, there is that ingrained in our fleshly nature that wants to be the most powerful, influential person. This is why wicked men do wicked things to rise in the political field. And the same fleshly attitude was what was generated inside of Diotrephes. He loved to have the preeminence among the church. He wanted the place of Jesus Christ to be the ultimate authority. I believe this. No pastor, including this one, has a right to lead and govern and preach to a church his own ideas, opinions, philosophies, or ways. God gives a certain level of, of liberty or, or responsibility. I want to use the word liberty. Responsibility to use the principles of his word and apply them in what he calls ruling. Someone has to take the word of God and say, These, this is how we're going to operate. And that's what a bishop does, oversight. But a pastor does not have the right to say, this is what I want, this is, this is my desire to press his own will upon a church. That's not the role of a pastor. It's not the role of a deacon. It's not the role of a teacher in the church. Our job is, as spiritual leaders is to implement his mind as communicated in his word. There's a way things are to be done, but that's not what Diotrephes did. Diotrephes wanted to be the final decision maker, the the head, if you would, in the church, the preeminent one. And so his affection reveals to us his motivation. His affection, his love for preeminence, reveals to us his arrogance. His arrogance. How, as honest people, could we feel that any of us, if we were honest, now I'm talking about under the truth of God's word, is deserving and worthy to have the preeminence among God's people? 
that I am so spiritually superior to the rest of you that all of you need to check everything. I'm going to run everything my way for me, for my glory. I'm sure he didn't declare that, that that's what was operating inside of Diotrephes. He loved the preeminence. He was self-promoting and self-preserving. That's what it meant to have the preeminence. No one's going to come in here and steal my influence. How many of us know this is what often causes church splits? We call them personality conflicts. They're not personality conflicts. You know what they are? They are power conflicts, power struggles. How many of us know there's power struggles in the secular workforce? But they're not supposed to be in God's church. God has a way for his church to operate. We're to, we're to do so accordingly. But Diotrephe said, I'm going to be the one that everything that has more influence than anybody else. So if you decide you want the carpet to be gray and I want it to be blue, we're going to get things done to where it's blue when it's done. It's going to be my way or the highway. That was his attitude. My way or the highway. That's the way it's got to be. And he obviously had gained power in doing that. He, he didn't just want preeminence. He had a level of it. He loved preeminence. He wanted things to be centered around him And so then he's self-promoting, self-preserving, loving to have the preeminence. When John wrote, he wouldn't even receive them. Uh, He he would not even uh, acknowledge that John had written. Somehow it would seem to me that he cut off John's letter to the... Can you imagine destroying an epistle to the church from one of the apostles? Can you imagine saying, folks, we're going to give you a Bible, but our Bible here at Bonner's Free Baptist Church is going to exclude 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Jude. You're not allowed to read those, forbidden reading. Sorry. <laughs> Do you think if someone in the church did that and got that level of control, including the pastor, and said, you know what, you're allowed to read these books of the Bible, but you're not allowed to read these books of the Bible, um, do you think that person would be in trouble with God? The Apostle John had written the church, and Diotrephes ran it, cut, cut it off, made sure they did not get what John had written and would not receive John and his co-laborers. And so his motivation is very clearly arrogance out of love or affection for preeminence among the people. May I say this? Every one of us, every one of us should daily wake with a sense that we are prone to pride. And it needs to be checked at the cross of Jesus Christ knowing that pride is the taproot sin probably of every other. I can't think of any sin that is that, that produces more sins in our lives than pride, wanting everything to center around me, the attention on me. Uh, not only that, but I'm going to be the controller. I'm going to manipulate things to go my way so that when it's all said and done, people know the most important person in that unit is that man. And so that was what drove Diotrephes. His motivation was arrogance and pride, loving to have the preeminence among God's people. Number two, his manner. So that was his motive. In verses 9 and 10, we find his manner. How do we get down to this root? And by the way, by the way, someone could have said, well, John, aren't you wanting to have the preeminence? I mean, now John's calling Diotrephes in to check. Is not John doing the same thing Diotrephes is? What's the difference? Not an apostle, number one. Number two is motivation. You know what? I find John writing to Gaius, commending him for ministering to the church. Motivation by John is love for the Lord, love for God's people, and therefore I don't find John excluding. I don't even find the epistle John says to exclude yet diatrophies. He's going to single him out and say this is a problem. That's why I can't tell you the man was lost. I can tell you what he was doing was evil. I can't tell you that. 
And so then uh, John points out, you get to his motive by tracing his manner. Verse 9, I wrote unto the church, but Dr. Fees, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church. They were verifiable brethren, men who had the exact same faith. Diotrephes' problem with them was not that they weren't believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They weren't letting him have his way. And if you didn't get, if he didn't get his way, you're going out. That's just all there was to it. And so then Diotrephes' manner was, number one, exclusion of the brethren. Exclusion of the brethren. Let me read to you again Romans chapter 14, verse 1. We read this, I believe, last week. Romans chapter 14, verse 1 says, Him that is weak in the faith. So he's a brother. He's in the faith, but he's weak in the faith. Receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Meaning, unless they're going to come in and cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned, receive them. And so uh, Diotrephes says, No, that's not the standard we're going to use. Unless you're going to come in and let me have my way, you're going out. John was going to come, and you can you can see it very clearly that here is John, an authority, someone who's aged at this point. He is an elder in the faith. He is an elder in years. And if he comes in, Diotrephes is going to be exposed. And so Diotrephes' recourse is, if you're going to come in here and threaten the position of influence I have, you are not welcome. I've watched this happen in practical ways in local churches where you get a man or two rooted into a church and they, they seem to only desire leadership that lets them have their way and be the most important men or women in the church. And as soon as that gets challenged, you're out. One way or another, we're going to weasel you out. If you're going to threaten our position of being the decision maker, of being the most important, admired person in the church. By the way, should we really ever seek admiration of one another, or should we just seek to bless one another and serve one another? I thought this day, true love does not seek favor, it seeks trust. Being trusted is far more important than being liked. We're in a world that it says the more you're liked as a spiritual leader, the more successful you are. That is not true. That's not true at all. Some spiritual leaders in the Bible were liked by some, hated by others. The fact of the matter is we should not endeavor to start our day saying, I want to be the most popular, admired person in the church we should start our say, I want to be the servant. I want to serve in the church. My job is not to be admired. My job is not to garner favor. My job is not to get people on my side. My job is to get people on God's side. Diotrephes' role was, you get on my side, and if you're not on my side, you're out. Exclusion of the brethren. John was not going to be on his side, and he knew it, so he said, you're not welcome here. Now, how in the world did a man like this get influence inside a church? He weaseled his way in. He got people to admire him. He got people to think that he was what he thought he was. Proud people live their lives convincing people they are as noble as they think they are. Huh? Proud people are more impressed with the person they look at in the mirror than anybody else. And anybody that conflicts with that is going to have to be trained. No, no, no. Your view of me is not correct. Let me raise your view of me. Well, and that's not the way we as God's people are supposed to operate. But diatrophies excluded brethren who were no doubt superior in the faith to him. And so his first manner was to exclude the brethren, not only John and his co-laborers, but in verse 10, John says it generally and broadly, neither doth he himself receive the brethren. There were brethren coming to this church, and Diotrephes wouldn't allow them to come. They were not allowed in the church. 
They were not allowed in homes. He was not given to hospitality. I mean, let's know that we're supposed to be given to hospitality. We're supposed to use hospitality. We're supposed to invite each other into one another's homes when there are guests coming through. If we have a home available, we should make it available. If not, we should make accommodations for brethren. That's what he's talking about. We, we talked about it last week. There are those who are furthering the truth. When they come, receive them and help them on their way. I've heard of churches that executed church discipline over trivial issues. I'm talking about trivial, not biblical issues, trivial issues. You give me a scratch in your head there and you say, somebody's playing doctrophies most likely. Somebody's in the church and we found something wrong with someone that we can turn into a church discipline issue and exercise that in a trivial manner. And I don't find here that diatrophies is exercising church discipline. He was exercising diatrophies discipline. I'm going to find my way personally to get you out. Exclusion of the brethren. Then I use this word, excoriation, which means to criticize harshly and usually, not always, but usually, publicly. Look what he says in verse 10. So exclusion of the brethren, but then excoriation of the brethren. Not only did he not welcome John and his co-laborers or other brethren who were coming through the church, verse 10 says, uh, wherefore if I come, now that tells me there was no one with the spiritual discernment that John had present in the church to hold him accountable. Diotrephes operate their best when there is no one around spiritually discerning enough to call them on it. This is why churches, when they are without a God-given pastor, are often in grave danger. Often this is where a diatrophies finds his rise. Perhaps there's many there that are young in the faith. There are people that are maybe not as... Uh, they, they, they may not be as discerning of someone's spirit. And I find John was not present. He was absent from this church at this time. And he says, if I come, I'm going to remember what he's done. You know what John's saying in essence? When I come, I'm going to deal with him. Paul spoke in very similar language. He said, I, I, I will come when I do. I, I will change my voice. <laughs> in essence, I'm going to deal with some things. He said in 2 Corinthians, when I come there, I'm going to deal with some things. These men, these apostles had great authority and leverage in dealing with problems in the church. And so John says, I'm going to deal with him if I come. I'm going to remember it. But here's what, why he says he's going to remember what he's doing. I will remember his deeds which he doeth. And what's he say he's doing? Prating against us with malicious words. How many of you ever heard the word prattle? Hear the word prattle. Children, oh, useless prattle, people will say. What do they mean? Vain talk. Useless, meaningless words. Prating is in the same, the same root word there as prattle. It means empty, vain speech. But the problem with his was children's prattle is often harmless. They, they prattle on about what they, you know, the cricket they saw crawling around over there a few minutes ago with one of its legs missing. It's just useless prattle, right? But his prattle, meaning he was just generate, we'll get into this here shortly on Sunday nights, using his tongue to tear John the Apostle and other brethren down. It says he's praying against us with what kind of words? Malicious words. Words that intentionally cut and, and, and hurt the, the name of, of these brethren in the minds of other people. Dropping little details that probably he made up or some some way of casting these brethren in a bad light. He said it means, uh, malicious means harboring ill will or enmity without provocation, malevolent in the extreme, malignant in heart, uh, proceeding from extreme hatred or ill will, dictated by malice, such as a malicious report. And so without being provoked, 
what Diotrephes was doing was if the name of John the Apostle came up, he began to say things about him that were hateful toward him, causing you to think evil and ill of him or any other brother that might come through. One of the best ways to build a throne or a pedestal to stand on is cut everybody down around you. One of the ways to be higher than other people is just cut everybody else down. You know, I like Braden's tie, but it's not as nice as mine. And Anybody that would wear a tie like that, let me explain to you why people buy ties like he's wearing. When they see a tie like that, the pride of his heart is motivated to buy that tie. Now, mine is motivated by humility. But his, you just start picking him apart, picking him apart. You know, guys that wear black shoes and brown socks, let me tell you something about people. I've noticed a pattern with people like that. Let me just start tearing this down. Let me just break it down, the kind of individual he is. You can't trust a guy like that. You know, a guy that parts his hair on that side, you can't trust a guy like that. You with me? All of a sudden, we start picking out every little detail. And by the way, there's a lot of preaching right here for every one of us. I don't know about you. I wish this were not true. But there's many times, the first thing I notice about somebody else is what is different about them that I think is not as good as what is in me. And you may not do that. But that's what my rotten, wretched flesh does. The Spirit of God has to catch me and say, why are you saying what you're saying? You are bringing out every bad thing about every other person in order for what reason? So you'll see I don't have the same problems and admire me. And by the way, anybody with half a brain, it doesn't work. They go, you are an arrogant windbag. Amen. I mean, honestly. And by the way, I mean, no offense, but if somebody's an arrogant windbag, that's what they are. Whether it's me or you, it's just a fact. And Diotrephes was an arrogant man who if anybody seemed to be superior to him, he is going to break down your view of respect. So the only person you're left respecting is who? Him. The only person you could possibly respect was Diotrephes. Not John the Apostle, not any other brother that came through. Because if you respect them, you'll listen to them. And if you listen to them, you may not listen to me. So uh, the way I get exclusivism is to get to discredit and discount every other possible influence in your life. So the only one left standing is good old me. It was wicked. It was wicked of him to do this. And so then John says he excludes the brethren, he excoriates the brethren, and he believes in expulsion of the brethren. You see in verse 10, says, prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith. So it wasn't bad enough to cut us down with his words to try to destroy our character, our reputation with his words. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church. Meaning there are other people that don't have the attitude toward the brethren that he does. So he is exercising a deep level of separation based on one thing. You don't cast the brethren out like I do. And if you don't cast the brethren out like I do, then I'm going to cast you out. (laughs) By the way, this is alive and well in our day today. Some of the worst for this, I'm just going to say some of the worst for this of cutting you off and casting you out. How many of us know what the cancel culture is today? And if you don't use a certain jargon and sing a certain tune and go along with people that say, you know what, we are done with that old way of doing things, with that old-fashioned idea, and if you assimilate to that, and if you defend that, we're done with you. And you're, and they're the same people that would say, would get all over other people for judging and separating. There are some today, the only, the only separation they believe in is separating from people who separate biblically. Check me on it. <laughs> I, only, I will separate from anybody who believes in biblical separation. It's a diatrophy spirit. And there are people on the side of biblical separation who do the same thing. 
that instead of giving people room to grow in the Lord and do certain things and learn of the Lord and, and have the liberty to make decisions and hold be accountable, there, I'm going to take things in my own hand. What is at the heart of it is arrogance and pride. It's not about the Lord. And it's not about the Lord's people. It's about me having my way and being admired and having preeminence. And so then his manner was exclusion of the brethren, excoriation of the brethren, and expulsion of the brethren. I'm telling you, I say it with grief in my heart. I, I know the situation comes to my mind, and I've watched this happen. I praise God, not in this church, but I've watched this. It could happen in this church, but I've watched this happen to where, where a diatrophies or more than one diatrophies, and they can't ever stay in the same church together very long, by the way. One of them's got to win. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is he got in the church, and that church cannot go forward because the diatrophies says, as soon as I start losing my grip of control, somebody's got to go. And I've watched it happen. I've heard the malicious words with my own ears. Listen to the excoriation and watch the expulsion. It's not a pretty thing. And I'll just say to you, there are people in my mind that are like that. And my mind is, I have no room. In my heart, my mind, you should have no room for that. It's, that is not the way God's work is to function. And so then, his manner reveals his motivation. And finally, John speaks of the kind of model he was. John is going, may I say this? <laughs> In the same church, there's a Gaius, a Demetrius, but there was also a Diotrephes. All three characters. Is it possible to have good people and evil people in the same church? Is it possible to have saved people that are doing good and saved people that are doing evil in the same church? It is. And that's what we began with. And so what John says in verse 11 is, Beloved, speaking to Gaius again, Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. And this is what I was the point I was making a moment ago, these who set an evil example of if someone's pattern of life, let me just put it to you this way. If you wanted to search for five minutes on the Internet for blogs who do nothing but excoriate brethren, it wouldn't take you long to find them. I don't take, t- I don't take time to read that nonsense by, by God's grace. I used to, it would trouble me, I wanted to have an answer. There are people whose entire ministry is to tell all that is bad about all of God's people about why they were hurt at this church and how bad those people were at that church and how bad this group of Christians is and how bad this church is and how bad this mentality of Christian is. But now me, I read, about, I read a man's comment today. He said, you know the reason I don't go to church anymore? Because I keep tripping over people and he began to excoriate Christians. You've got a problem if all you can do about other Christians is talk about all that's wrong with them. I'll say it and I say it all the time. God's people are the best people. We are people at best, but God's people are the best people. Christian people, saved people, believers are the best people because they're God's people. And when they're not behaving their best, they're still God's people. Amen? As someone who spends their life cowardly behind a keyboard, assaulting and attacking every other Christian, showing how wicked everybody else is, there's one reason for that. But not me. All of them are these evil people. I'm not talking about correcting error, but I'm telling you, if it doesn't take long to find people whose entire life is about leveling everybody else so they can say, but I'm superior. I have found the way. I'm the Lone Ranger Christian. I can't go to church anywhere. I'm, I have tried for years. I meet numerous people. I won't ever go to church again. I'm offended at churches. They're full of hypocrites. Those churches are probably better off without that person. 
be quite honest. My point is this tonight. You and I have a responsibility. You know what John is saying to Gaius? He names, don't miss this, he names diatrophies. He doesn't say, there are some people, and if I thought there was somebody named you tonight, I would. But he names diatrophies. He said, this man right here that's in your church is doing wrong. How do you know that by many of many a person's standards today, right here, John would be labeled an oppressor because he just named someone by name that's doing evil and called what they were doing evil. Am I, you with me? Preachers aren't supposed to name names, are they? By what standard? I find the I find the Apostle Paul warning Timothy, you watch out for the silversmith, and he named him. He did me much evil, and he'll do you much evil. You watch out for him. Amen? I find the Apostle John saying, you have a fellow member in your church named Diotrephes, and he loveth at the preeminence. If he can't get his way, then everyone else can go. And he uses malicious words, tearing down the brethren, excluding the brethren, will not welcome the brethren. I'm going to tell you something. You find a Christian that is so spiritual that they cannot operate inside a church without conflict. It's not the churches that are the problem. It's that person. How many of you have ever watched somebody that destroys every relationship they're in? You know what I'm talking about? They destroyed their marriage. They destroyed the relationship with their parents. They destroyed relationships with their siblings. But they are superior in counseling on relationships. They aren't counseling on how to destroy relationships. You with me? And this is the kind of guy Diotrephes is. He destroyed every relationship because it was necessary to destroy relationships that he might have the preeminence. <laughs> and John says, you've got to recognize that guy as beloved, beloved, follow not that which is evil. What is John talking about? He's just named what Diotrephes is doing. Don't follow his example. Does he tell Gaius to go attack Diotrephes? Cut off his toes? No, he says, don't follow his example. Don't follow that which is evil. You must recognize it, refuse it, and replace it. He said, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. This, this is going on is evil. It's not from God. It didn't come from God. And the guy that's doing it hadn't seen God. He hadn't perceived God in the least. And so how do we overcome the evil of Adiotrephes? Do the good of a Gaius. He commends Gaius at the very beginning. He said, you've received the brethren. Let me just say this. I'm going to give a commending word to this church. We have guest preachers come through. On occasion, I'll be honest with you, on occasion we have a guest preacher come through, and after they've been here and come through, you couldn't say, well, you know, they're, a, they're doing a stellar job for the Lord. But I'll say this. When brethren come through here, this church receives them as brethren. I think one of the greatest ways to hem off a diatrophies is just do that. Receive the brethren. Welcome the brethren. Treat them like brethren and help those that are preaching the truth on their way. John's saying don't follow the pattern of evil. Matt, here, just some, some practical counsel. Don't get caught up in what is so popular today in becoming a superior saint, sitting on a pedestal and finding out why the rest of the Christian world has not got the understanding we do. In an, in an Internet age, in an age where it's easy to post comments and say this and that, it is very easy to play the role of diatrophies among God's people. We did not get caught up in that. You know what? Receive the brethren. Help those that are preaching the truth on their way. Be loyal to the truth. And be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's exactly what John is saying. Don't follow his pattern. You know what? You and I need to identify 
sinful patterns of seeking preeminence and not follow that, that model. It's a wrong model. The motivation of pride, the manner and the method of, 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 of malice and using our words maliciously, and that model is to be rejected, and we are to replace that with the model of receiving the brethren, loving God's children, walking in truth, and having a good testimony among God's people. Mm-hmm.